0: Welcome into the Fumbling Punter Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Keeney, and with us via phone today is our co-host, Lucas Jones. Lucas, thanks for hopping on today.
1: Hey, not a problem.
0: So, Lucas, we, uh, we're we down to talk some draft. And uh, so let's start with the number one pick last night. You know, there was some talk of, are they going to go Trubisky? Are they going to go Miles Garrett, who I think was uh, the consensus best player in this draft? And I think the Browns got it right going uh, Miles Garrett number one.
1: I do, too. But what's interesting is I was looking at Kuyper Jr.'s and Todd McShay's final mock drafts, and they both had the Browns taking Trubisky. But then last night they were going on about how this is what the pick should have been and is and everything. And I, I just they're just trying to mix it up for page clicks, I think. <laughs>
0: Yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, and talking a little football, I want to tease uh, later on in the show, we have an interview with former Mizzou wide receiver and former New England Patriot TJ Moe. So stay tuned for that. Big interview for us. Uh, I think we had a really good conversation, or I did. Lucas wasn't able to join. Uh, I think I had a really good conversation with TJ about football, uh, about the guys from Mizzou in the draft and kind of his experiences going through. So, stay tuned for that. So, sorry I had to break away there for a second, Lucas.
1: So i got to plug that
0: popular interview. Oh, heck yeah, we do. Uh, so, let's talk about what happened after Miles Garrett. So, I was watching the draft live last night, and then it popped up on the screen. The Bears traded up from 3 to 2. And, I they gave up a lot, you know, to, I mean, when you're thinking you're moving up one spot and the 49ers weren't looking at Trubisky, Uh, I think they were taking Solomon Thomas all along and they got two third rounders and a fourth rounder to move back one spot and pick the guy they were going to pick at two.
1: Yeah, they, uh, I mean, it's smart on the Niners part. The Bears was just, Bears fans are just beyond themselves last night and today and I know the Bears must have really liked him. And the Niners say there were other teams wanting to move up to that spot. So I guess the Bears felt like they had to beat any other offer.
0: Yeah. And
1: the interesting thing about it is that the Niners were able to, I think they used one of them extra picks.
0: The fourth rounder.
1: When they moved up back to, I don't remember what spot. It was at the 31. draft. <clears throat> they moved to 31 and they were able to get reuben foster who fell but reuben foster was someone they had ranked in their top three guys in the draft and they considered reuben foster at two or three so they feel like i mean the niners had a great first round they got two players that were atop their board.
0: Yeah, I mean, I talked to a 49ers fan that wasn't Richie, our loyal listener. Uh, I talked to a 49ers fan earlier today, and he's like, they got their number two and number three guys on their board at the third pick and the 31st pick, and then still ended up with two third-rounders afterwards.
1: You know, I'd even make the argument they got their one and two guys at their board because Miles Garrett was at the top of their board, but they knew – they knew there was like a ninety-five percent chance they wasn't going to get them.
0: But it's the Browns, so, so there's always a chance. <laughs>
1: there's always a chance, and there's a chance some other team was going to trade and take someone different. But yeah, the Niners did well last night for John Lynch's first draft of running that team.
0: I agree. I I had them and the Cleveland Browns with the two highest gr- uh, first round grades in my opinion. Oh yeah,
1: I had the Browns as I had the Browns as the winner of last night. I mean, there's obviously multiple winners, but the Browns got three players that I consider are very, very talented in uh, Garrett Peppers and Choku. Is that how you say his last name?
0: Oh, I, I am not the guy to ask on pronunciation.
1: <laughs> well, he was a tight end from the U, so yeah, uh, I know we stand behind anybody from the U.
0: Oh, you know it, and you know that if Gardner's uh, so, listening, he's all on board too.
1: So I, I feel like the Browns, they, they got a, a – Offensive playmaker that they believe in. I read this afternoon that they informed Gary Barnage that they're cutting him.
0: Saving uh, a little money, I'm assuming. Because they
1: this guy. Yeah. Well, so they just signed him to a longer-term deal last year. I think it was only a two-year deal after two seasons ago when he had a huge year. Last year, he kind of fell off a little bit.
0: The um, old barnyard so, dog.
1: Hey, he won me a fantasy championship.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh... <laughs> I think the Browns may listen to the podcast because I said all along, take the best skill position, defensive players, defensive linemen that you can get, tank this year, and then go all in on Sam Darnot next year.
1: The thing is, if they just so happen to win more games than they need to this year, you know, say they win four, but the Niners only win three or whatever, The Browns have the ammunition to move up next year in the draft. They own the Texans' first two picks next year. Yeah. Which, you know, likely the Texans' defense will carry them to, you know, at least eight wins. So if Deshaun Watson carries them to another two or three wins, Texans would be a 10-11-win team team that goes to the playoffs. So they're going to kind of have a, a pick in the 20s likely. But, I mean, teams love first round picks, so the Browns will have the ammo to move up.
0: Yeah, and I would say that the Browns uh, probably biggest two competitors for that number one overall pick will be the San Francisco 49ers and the New York Jets, who appear to also be all in on tanking for Darno.
1: Right. And let's, I mean, I, I don't know. We just have to see what plays out in the next six rounds. Maybe this second round, the Niners take Davis Webb or uh, Peterman or someone else and think that's going to be their quarterback of the future. But it's hard to say, but I'm on board with both teams waiting next year for a quarterback. Um, You'll have Darno and Josh Rosen, and there's a few other guys.
0: Yeah, I actually had a conversation with uh, uh, our gambling guy, Easy e today. And we had to bet a lunch on uh, whether or not Lamar Jackson was an NFL quarterback. I said, "No way, Lamar Jackson is an NFL quarterback."
1: Uh, he may not be, but he'll be drafted. So
0: I think he's. Uh, I think he's. Well, we'll we'll get into this on another day. But just we were talking about quarterbacks from the next year is why I brought that up. And uh, if Josh Rosen keeps that mustache, that could lead him to be elite.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: <laughs> so, uh, you know, we were talking about the Texans and Deshaun Watson and I had talked on the last podcast that I actually I actually picked that as the best landing spot for Watson, uh, because they have so much talent around him. What do you think about that pick? Houston traded up to get that pick from the Browns to take Watson two picks after the Chiefs took Mahomes.
1: Yeah, I think the Texans were they were worried that The guy that one of the guys they wanted wasn't going to be there. I don't think they were singularly focused on Watson. Uh, I think they were they were taking a quarterback. I think they probably was okay with two or three different guys, but after Mahomes went, they thought, well, we got to get Watson because obviously Trubisky, Mahomes, and I think Watson were probably their quarterbacks. So for the pick, though, I like it for the Texans. Deshaun Watson is a winner. He's got some things to work on, but Bill O'Brien can mold him. Um, They believe in him. I read that they would had a a long meeting with each other, and Watson looked him in the eye and said the most important thing is a good quarterback-coach relationship. So hopefully that bears out true for Texans fans. Um, And I know Bill O'Brien's been there for like three seasons now. A lot of coaches – they don't win in the playoffs you know after three or four seasons they start getting fired but unless you're Marvin Lewis young, unless you're Marvin Lewis uh I think the best thing for young quarterbacks though is to have continuity in the coaching and I watch the Texans uh some the, the documentary HBO does every year
0: uh the hard knocks
1: the hard knocks yeah I can't believe I forgot the name on that I watch it every year I love Bill O'Brien as a coach and I know one thing is he's the offensive guy. Romeo cornell has got that defense click. And the defense was good last year without J.J. Watt most yeah. of the season. So yeah. that's a team ready to win now. Lamar Miller's a good running back. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, C.J. Fedorovich, uh, they got the pieces to make a deep playoff run. They just need a little better quarterback play than they've got the last couple years. And Watson, you know, as, as many faults as he had from a lot of the – so-called experts, is an upgrade over anybody they've had in a roster.
0: Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And I think if you're able to get a guy and upgrade immediately, that that's a good fit, and that's why I liked Watson going there.
1: So It's cliche, but he knows how to win.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. So, talking about quarterbacks in the first round, uh, the Chiefs traded the two first-round picks, a third-round pick, to move up and go get uh, Patrick Mahomes. He has a big arm. I heard uh, John Gruden use the term gunslinger about 1,000 times last night. And, you know, they gave him some pretty lofty comparisons whenever, you know, they're talking Brett Favre and Matt Stafford. And Matt Stafford threw for 5,000 yards for three consecutive seasons. And he's one of like nine people to ever throw. Or he had three of the nine seasons, uh, 5,000 yard seasons ever. So I think that, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford's a pretty pretty lofty comparison without really putting a lot of thought into it.
1: Well I just hope Chiefs fans aren't hoping to see their first round pick on the field for a year or two.
0: Yeah. He's, gonna, be,
1: he's gonna learn from Alex Smith, um, you know, how to throw the ball between zero and twenty yards. <laughs> zero and fine. You should say Everybody, negative five Smith, and ten yards. For his for out Al, for all for some of Alex Smith's fault He's in a very—he's a very efficient quarterback. Yeah. Um. But he's not somebody you want. It just doesn't seem he's that guy that's going to get it done in the clutch. I've seen that too many times the last couple years, um, in the Chiefs. And I'm not saying Mahomes is going to be clutch, but he's got a big arm, and I like him. I was hoping he was going to fall and the Steelers would take him to start grooming Big Ben's heir, just because the big arm reminds me of Big Ben, and that's you know. The Steelers take a lot of deep chances, so... Yeah. Uh, Flandry Jones is not the heir for him. No. So I, I I, wanted Mahomes to go to Pittsburgh, um, but I wanted him to fall. Pittsburgh don't make draft day trades usually, and I don't like giving up first-round picks. I know the Steelers don't. Sometimes, you know, I can make the case for it, but I think the Steelers will just take what they can get. And the Chiefs, you know... It, they need a successor for Alex Smith and Andy Reid works well with quarterback. He was there when the Packers acquired uh Brett Favre from the Falcons.
0: Yeah. Uh, he drafted so, Donnie I mean, McNabb too, right? Uh I'll have to look that up, if he
1: but uh already there. But, you know, uh Mahomes will have good a good teacher and Alex Smith will Alex Smith always, you know, he's a pretty good teammate. He he didn't like it when he lost his job to Colin Kaepernick by all accounts. He helped, you know, tutor that piece of shit. So
0: <laughs> now I have to ask, uh so, you know, if he if Mahomes went to Pittsburgh, clearly you're talking he's gonna develop until Big Ben retires. Because without right. question, that's Big Ben's team. He's been there, he's done that. Uh in Kansas City, you know, there's the thought that and I'm not saying this is gonna happen this year, but I don't know how long, how much longer Alex Smith plans on playing, and all of a sudden there's this guy he's grooming to basically, if he's not ready to retire, take his job in a year, two years, whenever the case may be. Do you think that, uh, I mean, I, you as you pointed out, he did that with Kaepernick in San Francisco, but I think that Mahomes is a lot more of a teaching and a learning project than what they were doing with uh, Kaepernick in San Francisco. Do you think that Alex Smith will uh, stay – true to the team and do what's best for Mahomes and do what's best for the team
1: I'm sure today late last night sometime this morning whenever I'm sure the uh Andy Reid and the Chiefs front office there have had lots of conversations with Alex Smith about their plan for him they're not you know they probably didn't do this without I'm not saying they consulted him before the pick they definitely were talking to him after the pick to try to keep him, you know, i at a level of comfort with the team. Um I'm you know, you might even see Mahomes this year play in some games. Uh if the Chiefs struggle out the gate, uh if they look like they might miss the playoffs or something, they might throw Mahomes in. Uh I know the fan base are pretty rapid and passionate people. Uh if Alex Smith, you know, misses some deep throws or something, has a bad game, there's going to be lots of people calling for Mahomes. Oh no! Right doubt. off the bat, so that is definitely happening. So it's it's a delicate situation right now, but I think I think Alex Smith ultimately is going to be secure in at least this season. Yeah. And then next next off season may be a competition for the starter. I think he's signed for two more years this yeah. season and next season. I think.
0: And I think that as Alex Smith, you have to keep your head up. There's still a lot of places you can go and be a starting quarterback in this league because you look at some of just the horrible quarterback situations that are out there. And even when the time does come, I think the guy's still a starter in the league for somebody.
1: Yeah, he likely is. I think think before the Chiefs uh, let Mahomes completely take over, I think they'll probably work some more on you know, developing or drafting a uh, high-quality wide receiver, or yeah. maybe sign one. I think Macklin is, uh, you know, he's injury injury prone at this yeah. point. He may be on the downside of his. They have to take to Tyreek Hill, who is very fast, so he should be able to catch some home bombs.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. But
1: uh, I think they still need uh, they still need a bigger tight possession receiver you know a a Brandon Marshall type guy that can do about anything and because you want to give your young quarterbacks guys to work with
0: yeah so I have two more things before we go to the interview with TJ Moe okay so last night was a good night for tight ends we saw OJ Howard go to Tampa to play with Jameis Winston Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson and then the Giants took Evan Ingram and he's going to be up there with, holy cow, Sterling Shepard, Brandon Marshall, OBJ, Eli Manning. Uh, Good night for some really good tight ends, don't you think, Lucas? Yeah, they
1: they said this draft was real deep in tight ends, and that bared true last night. Um, And the Browns, you know, we already talked about them taking uh, uh, Joku or however you say his name. He's probably not going to be on the radar until they get a quarterback, but Evan Ingram and O.J. Howard should produce you know, tight ends kinda of have a little bit of a bigger learning curve in the NFL, but you know, this year I think they'll definitely they'll definitely be integral parts of their team. Um I think it, I think the Giants it sets them apart from the Cowboys now. I think the Giants have a better defense and an offense than the Cowboys now.
0: Yeah. And uh so Lucas, last uh last draft note from the first round before we uh get to this interview. Uh your Steelers, they took T J Watt. How do you feel?
1: You know, I was happy with it. Uh, I had pegged them. I had two guys I was really wanting them to take if they sell. Uh, Tack McKinley um, and Jabril Peppers. They were both gone before. Then I was sitting there like, there's T.J. Watt and Reuben Foster. They're going to get one of them guys, um, either one they want. And they took Watt. I like it. If he's 70% of his brother, then he's going to be a good player. Um, so, you know, uh, Randy asked me last night if I'd rather have Reuben Foster or TJ Watt, and I'm no dummy. Reuben Foster, uh, has a higher ceiling, very talented. Um, but I think the Steelers wanted to maybe go with somebody that, you know, they feel like they'd probably stay out of trouble a little more than Foster would because the Steelers have a hell of a time with some of their guys, uh,
0: and off the dope <laughs> yes they do all right so let's get to that interview with tj mo welcome to the show former mizzou wide receiver new england patriot and current host of the Hardline on 590 the fan in st louis tj mo tj thanks for joining us
2: yeah man thanks for having me
0: so when I told a couple of Mizzou alumni friends that you were going to be on the podcast, their first response was that man should never have to buy another beer in Columbia after the Mo Miracle. Has that been the case for you when you go back?
2: People in Columbia have always been great to me. You know, even honestly, I think the people in Columbia are are great regardless of who you are. I just think it's a it's a really good town with nice people, kind people. Uh, but certainly, uh, after I played there, it's been nothing but. Uh, The best from anybody I've ever ever come across. Now, I I do. uh, I don't exactly stand out in the crowd. I'm I'm about the same size and height as your your local fraternity. But uh, anybody who recognizes me, yes, they are uh, very kind.
0: Well, that's great. So, how has the transition been from the field to radio for you?
2: Yeah, at first it was tough. You know, um, one of the I've always had an opinion, and so. That's something you you withhold somewhat when you're playing so as to make sure you don't hurt the team. A lot of guys sometimes put their foot in their mouth. I've, I've done that in the past too. Uh, and you very much have to filter according to what your coach approves of or, or what the team needs, what you can say. The radio is the opposite. You need to come up with an opinion. You have to come up with a strong delivery, make sure it's heard and it's clear and it makes sense. Uh, there is still that element of watch what you say to some degree because when you talk for three hours every single day on the radio you uh, some things are just going to be clunky you know oh, yeah. like your remarks you know this doing your podcast at, at some point you're going to say some dumb things See, it's it's somewhat depending on what you're talking about and i think this is even more difficult with the way politics has infiltrated sports and how you have to discuss things like Colin Kaepernick and, and how all of that affects the team, because there is the political side of it, and half of everybody disagrees with you. When you look at the country, you, you look at the popular vote last year, it was like you know 120-something million people voted. It was split right down the middle, just about. So half of everybody agrees with what you say, half of everybody disagrees with what you say. It's more about the delivery and making sure... Uh, that it's respectful to people, and that it's it is makes sense. It's it's concise because what you I'm sure I, as you know, uh, if you if you use the wrong word, even with the right intent, that can get you in a lot of trouble.
0: Oh, absolutely. So I I think that I've always thought that you would be good, especially I saw you do some interviews whenever everything was going on at Mizzou. Uh, of course, you were graduated at that time, and I really, I really liked the way you presented yourself and the way you did deliver a lot of those interviews. So I'm really happy to see you, you know, doing your thing in radio.
2: Yeah, thank you. Actually, it was um, that as much as anything I've ever done was a very delicate time and in, in interview. I ended up I started out on Twitter, and I, I made a lot of people upset with things that I said. Now they, they the delivery on Twitter is difficult because you only get 140 characters. So you yeah. run out of words. You have to be very concise, and sometimes it's going to um, it's gonna spill into the next tweet, but people only look at that first one. So I was all over Twitter, and then eventually I ended up being asked to be on CNN and Fox and MSNBC and a lot of other places. Um, and that becomes something that you re- – I mean, when you're talking about national cable – networks those things now you really have to watch what you're saying because you know i can oh, say yeah. something on twitter twitter and it can blow up and whatever uh like for instance the the guy at the blues game the other day a kid said something about pk Subin, said something like that effing black guy and the blues retweeted it and said we do not put up with that under any circumstances that is not what we stand for what we believe so you can say dumb things of course i would not ever say that but yeah my point is <laughs> twitter can get you in some trouble but probably nothing like being on CNN. Uh, So that delivery, and and the thing is about CNN, too, I tend to lean right with my political beliefs. So when you're on a network that opposes those beliefs, oftentimes they want to put you in compromising situations with the questions they ask, with how they pull out what you say, and then turning it some ways. Now, fortunately for me, the girl that interviewed me was great, uh, and and none of that occurred. And and I really wasn't uh, trying to to say anything more during – the protest then this seems silly that we're firing a president who didn't have anything to do with this. Yeah. And and that was that was my message. But yeah, that was that, that was a very delicate time, you know, that's at the university where the, half of the team agreed with it, half of the team disagreed with it. They all had to boycott, uh, half of the campus agreed with it, half the campus disagreed with it. You got know, the faculty and the coaches and it seemed like everybody was pitted against each other and it was really a very destructive time for us.
0: Oh, absolutely. So, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. Uh, The NFL draft is underway. Uh, First round was last night. Uh, This is kind of a process you went through just a few years ago. And uh, so, I read something uh, with Mike Williams, the wide receiver from Clemson. He said that a team asked him if he was going to kill someone, how he would do it in his team interviews. Did you ever have to answer any crazy questions like that?
2: I did not. Uh, And that is fascinating because (laughs) – I don't know what they're getting at there. What I, what I would say is uh, probably, I listen, I've watched a lot of CSI and all, and I'm sure I could find a smart way to do that, but that's not a place I would ever want my mind to go because I think where the, where the mind goes, the man follows oftentimes, not that you think about killing somebody, eventually you'll do it. I just don't think that's a place I want to be spending my time. I, I would far rather spend my time figuring out how I'm going to beat a man in press coverage than how I would commit a murder.
0: Yeah, I thought that was, that was almost an absurd, que- or that was not almost, it was a completely absurd question to ask a guy that, you know, you want to be under your employee, how he would kill someone. So I didn't know if there, if that was a regular thing that happened in these team interviews, or if that was just a one guy asked one crazy question kind of thing. Uh, you know,
2: I'm, that People do questions a couple years ago. I remember there being somewhat of a thing where they kept asking, so you got a girlfriend? Why don't you have a girlfriend? I think they were trying to get at, are you straight? Are you gay? That wasn't uh, me, but that was during during my time, Yeah. Uh, which they can't ask legally in a job interview. They can't ask you that. So there, there have been some things that, you know, they try to get all the information that they can out of you. But your best bet when they get into those situations where it seems like a no-win is to deflect and just say, you know what, it's not something I want to spend a lot of time on. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe guys like Aaron Hernandez are figuring out how to carry out murders. I'm trying to figure out how to be press coverage. If you turn on my film, I thought I did a pretty good job. You want to check that out?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't blame you for going that way with the question. That's That was just an odd situation. So yeah. were you when you were with the Patriots, did you get to spend a lot of time around Bill Belichick?
2: I mean, he was very, he's a very hands-on coach. At, at Mizzou, Gary Pinkle was, was not nearly as hands-on. Coach Pinkle coached the coaches, and the position coaches coached us. So I spent a lot of time with Andy Hill, who was a wide receiver coach. I spent a lot of time with Barry Odom, who was my punt return coach, uh, and the different special teams coaches. Other than that, uh, you didn't necessarily – we would do crossover dinners and such, but, but Coach Pinkle, you would meet with him one-on-one sometimes, but it wasn't like an every single day – he came in. You would hear from him in team meetings, but it wasn't one-on-one. Belichick was very hands-on. He would co- go by and coach every single player during a practice. He'd look at the defensive tackle, and he didn't like where his splits was. So he'd go over there and say, hey, listen, there's no reason for you to ever have three-foot splits. We're going to have you down at two all the time. I know how you did it in college. It doesn't matter. That's not how it works here. Then he'd move over to the next guy uh, with, with uh, the corner, and he wouldn't like where he was lined up. He'd say, listen, we always line up inside. You don't ever get beat inside. I, I know I saw you guys do it before when you were with Seattle. It was heads up. Now we don't do that here. We're going to force them to go outside release. Okay. So, you know, it'd be one by one. He'd go to the next guy. Uh, so he was very hands-on. He was a guy that very dry humor. He's actually a funny dude. You, you don't get to see that. really. Um, yeah. And, and what's interesting about him is he would try to uh, get through his meetings, and he says things that are, I mean, they're, they're funny. The whole class, the, the whole uh Team would be laughing but he's not laughing he's kind of irritated that you're laughing and not paying attention to him anymore so he's just waiting for you to stop laughing so he can carry on with his talk
0: yeah I, I i could definitely see that from belichick so moving on to uh back to the college ranks uh missouri has a great in-state recruiting class in 2018 and barry odom and the tigers are trying to keep those guys in state uh, as a missouri guy that played at mizzou how do you think he's able to accomplish this? Is he able to get all those guys to stay home?
2: I don't know if anybody can get all – I mean, it could be – these kids could all be in L.A., and I don't know that USC would get all of them to stay home. Yeah. Uh, like like Alabama, they could all be, be sitting there in Tuscaloosa. I don't know if all 10 stay home. Maybe. Uh, if they do, if there's one place they would all go, it's Missouri. They're not all going to Oklahoma. They're not all going to Ohio State. They're not all going – to Alabama, if they were all going to go to one place, it would be Missouri. Now, there's ten guys, three in Kansas City and seven in St. Louis, that are national recruits, probably the best hall that the state of Missouri high schools have ever produced in a single year. Some of them are going to be – could be five-star guys. Trevor Trout could be a five-star guy. He's a defensive tackle out of Chaminade. Yeah. Uh, Michael Thompson, uh, um, uh, Ronnie Perkins, another guy. I mean, they got a bunch of dudes – who can play ball, Cam Brown, a receiver. I mean, the the kids can play, and uh, they all happen to be right here. Missouri's producing a lot of talent. If I'm Barry Odom, what I do, and what he is doing, of course, is I'm going back through all the guys, uh, and I'm saying, let's look at our first-round draft picks over the last, you know, since since 2006, 2008. Jerry Macklin, he's a Kirkwood kid. Uh, You go on through and – Shane Ray was – he went to a – I think he lived on the Missouri side. He went to a Kansas high school, so I'm not sure. He's right there, but he's a – Yeah, right on the border. Yes, Charles Harris, he's a Missouri kid. You know, Blaine Gabbard, Missouri kid. Doriel Beckham, Sheldon Richardson. These are all Missouri kids that end up being first-round NFL draft picks. Uh, I don't see any reason why you can't – and even kids that are – again, East St. Louis, Terry Beckner Jr. is probably going to be a first-round draft pick. So you go through and say there's a lot of evidence. Alden Smith, can't believe it. you know, I forget about him, seventh pick in the draft. So you go through the guys and and say, arguably the most successful of all of them is Marcus Golden, who wasn't even a first-round draft pick. Missouri kid. Justin Britt, second-round. Missouri kid. Coney Healy. Arguably could have been Super Bowl MVP. He was a second-round for Missouri kid, right? Yep. So you go through all these guys and you say, let's look at the evidence here. I, I don't know. Ezekiel Elliott sure seems like the outlier to me. That kid could succeed anywhere. Yeah. I'm telling you, you get pri- priority here. If you go to Oklahoma, yes, you're awesome. You're, you're a great athlete, and I hope you'd make it. But don't you think their priority is going to be the Oklahoma kids where they're going to have to recruit again next year? They're probably not going to be able to pr- pull that many Missouri kids every year. So they're going to put the priority on their kids. We Our priority is on you. And by the way, if you show up here, We think we can win a national title. We got the dudes in place. We've been twice in the last eight years. Uh, Not eight years, I guess, ten years now. Uh, Missouri has been a half away from playing for the national title. 2007 against Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. If they win that game, they go to the national title. 2013 against Auburn if they win that game they go play for the national title instead Auburn went and played the team that beat you and they were right there and had the talent on both teams to do it so it can be done here and by the way we've done it in two different conferences how many people can say that so we got the guys we got the horses it's, it's a different regime but it's a lot of the same Barry Odom has been around for all this he's been defensive coordinator he's one of the top defensive coordinators in all of college football and by the way he was a coach here in 2007 as well on that team that almost went to a national title so we have the group here it can be done in Missouri you guys are the guys that can take us there though why not do it here
0: yeah and uh so looking before those uh 2018 kids could even get to campus uh Tennessee's losing a lot this year Vandy is losing probably their two best players Georgia had a great recruiting class what do you think the expectations are going to be for this 2017 Tigers team
2: it really is a favorable schedule. Honestly, you, you go down through, uh, the schedule is on their side. And so if they can't win eight games this year, first of all, if you don't win eight games this year, you're probably not getting too many of these recruits. Yeah. But you listen to Dan Wilkin tweeted this out. He's a, a college football writer for USA today. He said, listen, I'm talking to coaches around the sec East right now. And everybody's saying you want to figure out who might win this thing this year. Go take a look in Columbia, Missouri. I'm telling you those guys, they got a quarterback up there in Drew Locke that has as much or more talent than anybody in the league. And you've got receivers. You've got – Missouri, I think, is one of two teams in all college football that return a 3,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard receiver, and a 1,000-yard running back. There's just not many guys that do that. So you have all those guys returning, and then you've got other guys – at receiver who can produce as well and that are coming up through the ranks. The offensive line, who everybody thought was going to be the weak point last year ended up being their strongest position on, on the whole field offense yeah. or defense. Absolutely. So you add that and then the defense, the uptick came when Odom took over, well, he's not, he, he's, he is not ever giving up the reins ever again. So he's going to be calling the plays. They went back to their old scheme in the defense. Instead of the read-first defense, they're attacking. They want to be in the backfield, creating tackles for loss, creating sacks, and wreaking havoc. So yes, you lost Charles Harris. The defense wasn't that great last year. You lost Darian Penton You lost Mike Shear. There's going to be some dudes that can play. No, I think they're excited about the development of Eric Beisel. They've got to have some corners step up. They've, they've got some dudes that have played some ball, and like Missouri's always had, there's a, there always seems to be a defensive lineman that is right there in, like, first-round talent potential. Terry Beckner Jr. is that guy. So yep. you build the defense around him. If he can stay healthy, he's a guy that let him penetrate, let him fill the holes, similar to 2012 with Sheldon Richardson, where, you know, okay, he's a defensive tackle, but he can sure get after the passer, and, man, does he wreak a lot of havoc. That's who you hope Terry Beckner Jr. is this year. So I think it's a group that – very truly can compete for the SEC East. I don't know if you can compete for the SEC title. Again, Alabama, as always, is going to be a top five uh, preseason team. You have some players, fine. But the East is open. And yeah. and it just like it was a few years ago, 2013, 2014, it is open for business. So you guys got to buckle down and figure out a way to win it.
0: Yeah. Well, TJ, thank you so much for your time and for joining us. Do you uh, want to tell our listeners how they can, uh, outside of the St. Louis market, how they can check out the hard line?
2: Yeah, sure. There's a an app called 590 The Fan. That is, uh, you can listen to it really all day long. It's a good lineup of guys. Tim McKernan does the morning show. Frank Cusimano has been around St. Louis forever. He does the the uh, mid morning show, and then Martin Kilcoin and some guys do the, the uh, 12 to 3 show. I'm on with Cam Jansen and a group of guys and and a girl actually, uh, Hannah Yates, who went to Mizzou as well. Uh, but Cam played 10 years in the NHL. Played for the Blues for a long time. So we had all the sports. It's it's just a lot of opinions, a lot of fun. I try to bring as much new stuff in as I can uh, to the discussion. It's just not talked about nearly enough in St. Louis. So I try to make sure that that I bring Coach Odom on quite a bit. I, I've recently talked to Jim Stirk. We'll get him on the on the show as well. So you can do that. You can uh, you can check us out on iTunes as well. It's on it's it's the Hardline STL. And so, yeah, check it out. And, and, really, I post a lot of stuff on my Twitter as well. I'm at TJMo28 if you guys want to check that out, and I'll kind of direct you to wherever you want to get to.
0: Absolutely. Well, TJ, thanks again for joining us, man.
2: Yeah, anytime, man. Absolutely.
0: All right, that's all for the podcast today. Uh, thanks, TJ Mo, for joining the podcast. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Give it a share. Uh, Lucas, we got a couple more rounds of the NFL draft this weekend. Some baseball. Going to be a fun sports weekend, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's going to be rainy here in Missouri, so it'll be a good time to watch some sports.
0: Absolutely. All right, well, f- this has been the Fumbling Punter Podcast for Lucas Jones. I'm Devin Keeney. Have a good weekend, everyone.